You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you. Your chance to hear from the experts, the insiders and the industry. Get some great recipe ideas. And of course, share your questions as well as we talk all things food. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking Irish food ahead of St. Patrick's Day next week. And the Irish community in Dubai have come out in force, sharing their favourite snacks from home. And they've all been raving about the crisps. Ireland has, without doubt, and there's no competition, we have the best crisps in the world. You got meanies, you got skips, you got burger bites, you got monster munch, you got ghosties. Company called Tato and they have the most amazing variety of cheap, cheerful, comfort food crisps. I definitely miss my Irish crisps like the Tato, the King crisps, the cheese and onion. Like I think they're pretty well renowned around the world for being like the best cheese and onion crisps in the world. They are. Tato's are amazing. Tato sandwich, food of the gods. So let us know if you are from the Emerald Isle and want to share some of the food you miss from home or things you like whipping up here or some of the discoveries you've made on the shelves here in the UAE. Get in touch now. But today we're not telling you how to make crisps, but we are going to be whipping up a green feast instead. Tiffany Essex joining us this afternoon, content director at Spinney's Magazine. Tiffany, do you really fancy a bag of crisps now? Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, oh, a nice packet of cheese and onion tatoes. I think you might need to get them onto Spinney's shelves. There's clearly a very hungry community who would very much support that decision. Um, Now, the new issue is on shelves now. It's absolutely gorgeous. Can you explain what's on the front cover? Because I saw that photo and my eyes just about fell out of my head. (laughs) Yes. So um, we created a bespoke warm chocolate pudding using Merzam chocolate bars as a topping. And I think it's just given that really unique angle. You know, um, it's unique to the region. And, you know, it's actually my screensaver at the moment on my, on my computer. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Would you not just want I to be having a bar of chocolate every single day? It's so yeah, beautiful. Why not? <laughs> and what's in the current issue? It is the March, April, and there's so many kind of special occasions over the course of the next few weeks. So what are you celebrating in the mag? Yeah, so, yeah, there's so many reasons to celebrate. So we're looking at um, St. Patrick's Day, Nowruz, which is Persian New Year, Mother's Day, Holy, and then Easter. And then we also have a section for the beginning of Ramadan, so how to prep, you know, um, getting your suhoor breakfast planned, uh, soups and breads, that kind of thing. I have to say, I looked at the soup recipes yesterday. There was one that was harissa and butternut that looked gorgeous, a roasted mm. red pepper soup. So, yeah, absolutely stunning recipes in there and my column is in there and this is um this is all about what women really want for mother's day so guys um save yourself some some headaches go and pick up the spinnies magazine and i I, i'm going to give you a quick hint we really just want the gift of time and to have a hotel to ourselves for one night (laughs) just a room with a locked door and no children if that could be arranged my husband has taken the hint, apparently, so I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for that announcement. Um, so, Tiffany, the new mag is on the shelves, of course, in Spinney's, and it's absolutely packed full of recipes and ideas. It's just, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous um, publication indeed. So let's go to the Emerald Isle. I'm half Irish. Don't know which half. Really? Left half. Let's go left, left half. Um, yeah, my mum, my mum's Irish. So to hear about Tato's, I think about 
champ and soda bread and potato cakes that we have for breakfast and oh, oh gorgeous gorgeous food and there has been a really strong relationship between spinnies and island for an awfully long time so it's great to see this being celebrated in the mag and in stores as well so let's ha- let's delve into the magazine what are some of the recipes that come from your green feast Okay, so yeah, so of course we thought we must go with the colour green, um, and we've put together kind of like we're throwing a bit of an intimate gathering for St Patrick's Day, uh, some herby oat cakes. Uh, everything has a bit of a health angle to it as well, um, but you know we're not being we're not scrimping on the indulgence too. I was um, going to say Irish butter. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, and then some delicious Irish cheddar courgette dinner rolls. Um, we've got a fish pie with a Colcannon topping. And then Ooh, gorgeous... st- I'm mm. stopping you there. What is okay. Colcannon? How would you explain it to someone who hasn't visited Ireland and tried it? So traditionally it's a side with uh, mashed potatoes and some chopped cabbage. Uh, really delicious. Uh, what we have done is we've actually used Brussels sprouts and leeks instead of cabbage, but you could use cabbage in, in our topping. And it's often put on a shepherd's pie in Ireland um, or eaten as a side. Um, we just decided to put it on top of this wonderful creamy fish pie. Tell us about the fish pie. What is inside under that lovely Colcannon topping? So spinach sources um, some salmon from uh, uh, organic salmon from Ireland, and so we've used that. It's got this fantastic sort of cheesy sauce as well, using Kerrygold uh, mature cheddar. You could also use the vintage cheddar. Um, a couple of vegetables thrown into the sauce as well, and then yeah, it's pretty simple and easy to make. And then covered with this gorgeous Brussels sprout cannon topping. Oh. I hope no Irish person uh, you know <laughs> wants to take me to task because I could use Brussels sprouts. Now, I, yeah, Irish of, of Dubai, come at Tiffany. Four zero zero one, but it, it's been quite lovely actually to see some of the products that I grew up, you know, you know, in our in our house in our fridge, like Kerrygold, for example. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. been quite lovely to see it there, and my mum always gets a little thrill, even though she can find it quite easily back home. But when she sees it in Dubai, she's like, "Oh, look!" You know, she gets all excited. Um, yeah. What is that? What is the background on some of these companies, like Kerrygold, for example? So, well, Kerrygold, I mean, the butter is made with, it's really, it's pure Irish butter. It's The company started in the 1960s. And I think what I really like is about a number of the Irish brands, which you, which we have at Spinney's, is that they, they've all been around for so long, and many of them are owned by families. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet some of them when I went as a guest of Board Beer a few years ago um, and visited a number of the Spinney's suppliers. And, yeah, for like the Keos family, Flahavens uh, with the oats. Um, you know, it, it, it's just really great that the traditions are still there and people are carrying on the family business. And there are some newer companies as well, one of which I discovered. I actually didn't know it was Irish until I saw it in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those discoveries that I kind of wish I hadn't made because I cannot stop buying them and eating it. And it's Broderick's. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. If anyone hasn't hasn't discovered them, it comes in three varieties. And they're like these little kind of separately packaged. And I would say... Very, very, very small, very small. So totally fine to have one after every single meal, after every lunch that I have during the week. And they do like a millionaire shortbread. They do one with marshmallows as well. Oh, my days. It's absolutely lovely and great story behind them. I think that's what's really nice actually about what you get to do is actually understand 
what's what goes into the history of these companies and the innovation of some of the newer ones as well. Tiffany, you're getting lots of messages yeah. about people saying what they miss about home. Amanda saying, I'm really missing hunky-dory crisps. I'm going to Google them immediately. Janice, Irish food I miss, soda bread, tato, you need to get totos in, cheddar cheese, Cadbury's Irish chocolate. Janice, what makes it different? Irish potatoes, Barry's tea. I think you can get Barry's tea in Spinnies. Uh, Wexford strawberries, I could go on and on. If you are from the Emerald Isle, travelled there and tried something amazing, let us know what you loved. We are talking St. Patrick's Day. So what else does Dubai's Irish community miss about food from home? Irish soda bread. You just don't get it anywhere else in the world. Real butter. Oh, I'm probably being a bit dramatic here, but I miss buds. I miss potatoes that are like fluffy and fl- oh, they're so good. <laughs> buds how how has it been 16 minutes we haven't talked potatoes yet um jan is saying irish chocolate is creamier Mm, like the sound of that a lot you're listening to farmer's kitchen with spinnies only on dubai i 103.8 irish community of dubai where are you let yourselves be known let us know about your favorite foods from home because we are talking irish food ahead of saint patrick's day you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinnies. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We have had messages about soda bread, tea bags, all the crisps. I got a voice note from a friend, which was, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, two minutes of, of waxing lyrical about Irish crisps, and then went on to send me a chart of the hierarchy of Irish crisps, top tier, middle tier, lower tier. This is a passionate topic I'm learning. So let us know. We are, of course, talking Irish food. St. Patrick's Day next week. Tiffany Eslick joining us, content director at Spinney's Magazine, looking between those pages and revealing some of the recipes for a green feast. I now am desperately wanting just some lovely soda bread with Kerrygold butter on them. And I love the sound of the fish pie you have with brown butter Colcannon. But what about dessert, Tiffany. What's on the menu? So we have an Irish moss mint pudding with a delicious chocolate crunch. And it's pretty easy to make. You can make it in 15 minutes. There is some chilling time um, and only five minutes of cooking time. And that is to sort of infuse the milk because most of the pudding is made from this wonderful minty milk. And then we've used um, a sort of rich and velvety Butler's 88% dark chocolate. Uh, as well as some organic, or you could use free-range or omega-3 um, spinach food eggs, which we source from the Nest Box company in Ireland as well. Oh, look at that all yeah. coming together beautifully. Um, yeah. Tell us about Butler's. What, what's it all about? Yeah, so, I mean, a fantastic heritage story here. It was started by Marion Butler in the 30s, and it was actually called Shea New Chocolates before um, Butler's. Um, and then she, so she had started, she, she sort of, made her chocolates and her toffees into everything for about 27 years. Um, and then the company was taken over and called Butler's in honor of Marion. Um, and they now have, I mean, a wide variety of products. We stock a number of them, and especially um, during seasonal events like um, Easter, which is coming up. We've got some fantastic eggs, gift packs from, the, uh, from Butler's. And, you know, I actually got to visit the factory um, in 2018. <gasps> the dream. And, what was it like? Yeah, 
it was like total sort of Willy Wonka moment. You know, um, I got to see everything being made. They were actually making all the Christmas treats at the time. And so I got to take part in a workshop. They also have a fantastic cafe there. And I mean, you just see everybody, like the whole thing. There's this amazing smell of chocolate, obviously. Oh. And um, yeah, just everybody going about their business, making all these fantastic things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a moss mint pudding with chocolate crunch. So you infuse the milk. And you're adding in this dark chocolate. How long for chilling? Or is it not going to get that far if you've got a spoon anywhere near you? Uh, no, definitely chill it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just until it sets, because you're going to have gelatine powder in it, right? So, But um, it's, it's something that you could make on the day of your St. Patrick's Day feast. Oh, okay. Right. So we're having... We're having... This is me having... Our, <laughs> yes. You and me having dinner. We're going to have an Irish fish pie with brown butter colcannon topping made with organic salmon. Thank you very much. Some of the Kerrygold mature cheddar, some salted butter. I think we need to have my mum's soda bread on the side. Now, my mum entered, um, you know how in England, in more parts of the world, but in, in kind of England especially, they have these village fairs where mostly the, the, the ladies of the area will put forward some of their best recipes. And my mum entered quite nervously, the Newbrough Town Fair. Newbrough, by the way, has a post box. <laughs> and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't think competition was fierce. But being a proud Irish woman, very, very um, confident, really, in her soda bread, but hadn't really put it in, into, the, into the wider market. And she won first prize for her soda bread. Do you know what her prize was? A whole pound. So equivalent of about seven, about seven dirhams. <laughs> but, but she got the rosette for her soda bread. And I, I challenge anyone to make a better one than Babs. Marilyn's saying tater tots. Honestly, it's all about the carbohydrates, Tiffany. I think, I think tatoes, there could be a petition to bring them into store. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You've succeeded in making us very, very hungry indeed. And happy early St. Patrick's Day. See you too. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are painting the town green ahead of St. Patrick's Day. I'll be chatting to Tiffany of Spinneys Magazine about some of the hero Irish ingredients and amazing recipes that are in the magazine that you can try at home fish pie, chocolate mousse. They're available as well at DubaiEye1038.com. So just look for Farmer's Kitchen. So Irish food. They, of course, swear it's the best. And here is our beloved Jono of Dubai 92 with yet more appreciation of his country's crisps. Well, tatoes are great Irish crisp, but the company who make them also make a whole range of other crisps that you definitely can't get here because sometimes you can get tatoes in Dubai uh, at the Judy Free at the Irish Village. Uh, snacks, uh, chickatitos or chickaroos, I think they're called, chip sticks, uh, hot lips, they're all made by the same company and you can't get them here. Oh, I feel an opportunity coming on. Jan saying, potato cakes, yes, Jan. Saying, why don't they sell them here? Lashings of butter. Mm-mm-mm. Delighted to be joined this afternoon by Alex McCunchen, the Mid- Middle East market specialist for Board Beer. Um, and it's all about bringing those wonderful foods of Ireland, not just to Dubai, but across the world as well. Uh, Alice, this is like another language to me. Hot lips, chipsticks. Chickaroo? What are they? (laughs) What's going on? They are very tasty delights. Um, uh, Salty on your fingers, they're delicious. Um, If you're a fan of potato crisps, you'll definitely be a fan of hot lips and uh, chicka teas. It is a whole new world. As as I said, I had a friend message me, sent me a voice note, two minutes, 
two minutes just talking about crisps from Ireland and then followed up with a full chart kind of rating them from top, middle to bottom. This is a, this is a, a passionate topic. Carbohydrates, I think, in general. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Irish snacks are the best. Is this uncontested? Can you state your case for Ireland? Yes, Irish snacks are the best in the world. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, in terms of taste and quality, well, I think they've got it all. Oh, right. Now, we will pass this list on to our friends at Spinney's, but what are some of the things that you can't yet get in Dubai that when you go home, you fill your suitcase up with? Well, much like you, Helen, I, I miss my mum's brown oh, bread, so the bread. Um, I'm not sure if she makes it as good as Babs, but she gives it a good go. Um, and I have a trick, actually, for some of the Irish that are missing it from home across UE. Um, in Spinney's, there is Sowans, um, that's S-O-W-A-N-S, and it's a gluten-free bread mix. And if you swap in where it says butter, or sorry, milk, uh, if you put in some labna, it's mm-hmm. the closest thing that you'll get to an Irish soda bread here. That's like the ultimate fusion cuisine. It's like Irish-Arabic exactly. fusion. Put those hands together. Love a top tip. Um, not serious stuff, though. Tell us a little bit about your role, making sure that Irish food is everywhere on the planet and introducing everyone to the wonders of the many carbohydrates of the Emerald Isle and more, of course. <laughs> Well, I have the incredible job of working and promoting Irish food um, with Board Bia, which um, in the Irish language, Board Bia means Irish food board. Um, Bia is the Irish for food. What we are is the government agency that promotes and manages the trade development of Irish food and drink and um, horticulture as well. Our headquarters are in Dublin and we have offices all around the world, just like we do here in Dubai, that support the national and international ambitions for Irish food. So the sector, the Irish food sector, is it's one of the most important for Ireland. You know, we have a long tradition of being family, um, family farmers and we're a food producing nation. So I myself grew up on a family farm and like many other Irish um you know, what, what's really interesting when it comes to Ireland is that we're a country of uh, 5 million people, but we produce enough food to feed 25 million. So um, that would explain that's a lot my about, role. Yeah, that would explain an awful lot about our family eating habits, <laughs> making yeah. a lot and eating a lot. Yeah. We heard from Tiffany before about some amazing family-run Irish businesses from the very traditional, you know, butlers formed in the 1930s to the what I'm obsessed with, those millionaire shortbreads from Broderick's mm-hmm. um, that are available in store at Spinney's. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's really popular right now? You know, what's resonating with the Dubai audience? And have you noticed any trends in light of the pandemic? People craving more tastes of home even? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. You know, recently we undertook a study of UAE consumers. We've always been quite passionate and uh, intrigued by the UAE consumer because, um, well, it's it's such a diverse population. So um, we had long been planning to, to look at it a little bit closer. And then on the back of the pandemic last year, we launched the, um, the COVID um, a study across different nations so we looked at japan the uk and then late last year we looked at the ue and there's some really really interesting findings so um it was shoppers in the ue we interviewed over a thousand people and um you know what we found was you know behaviors have changed consumers are now looking for a higher value on buying fresher produce Mm -hmm. and quality food which is which is good news for the irish uh, food producer if they're looking for quality product 
and great news for us for when we go into uh, yes. whether that's you know chilled produce or some of the mixes you can get and yes those snacks as well you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is St. Patrick's Day next week and we are talking all things Irish with Alice McCutcheon, the Middle East market specialist from Bought Beer. And here is our very own Jono from 92 with a bit of factoid for you. I don't eat chocolate, but Cadbury's make a specific Cadbury's milk chocolate bar that's produced in Ireland that has slightly different ingredients than the milk chocolate bar that you get here and apparently it tastes a lot better. Well, we heard from Janice earlier who said exactly that, that Irish Cadbury's is creamier. Um, so Alice, thank you so much um, for joining us this afternoon. St. Patrick's Day coming up, it is going to of course be very different this year, but still festive, I'm sure, knowing the Irish and no shortage of venues here in Dubai to celebrate at. Where are you going to be? Yeah, not even a global pandemic will dampen their festivities. Um, the UAE is home for, well, over 10,000 Irish people, so it's a, it's a proud day for everyone. Um, this year on the 17th itself, I will be with Bordia and we'll be celebrating with a very special chef's event um, with a fully Irish menu and it will be the launch of the Chef's Irish Beef Club. So this initiative was launched in Europe maybe 20, 30 years ago. And it was launched quite organically. You know, these chefs were endorsing Irish beef. So we said, let's make them an ambassador for Irish beef. And uh, it's a really, um, really nice network. And it's a great time to be launching it um, here in the UAE after, well, it's a very trying year for the last, you know, 12 months for these chefs. So we'll be announcing that next week. And, oh. uh, sharing who the chefs are. Enjoy. Um, now, of course, it was recently Gulf Food and you're very active there. Are you able to give us a little bit of a peek behind the scenes and let us in on some of the Irish food items that might be available on supermarket shelves too? Yeah, we had Gulf Food last month and it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant to be back together meeting people face-to-face. It's, it's it's a true testament to the UE and to Dubai to be the first trade show back and, you know, so important to the food industry. And, um, well, on the shelves in, in Spinney's, we've talked about quite a few of them. Um, everything from, from dairy, Irish cheddar, Irish butter, as you said, to Kerrygold, um, who really interestingly have been exporting. Well, the Middle East was one of the first export markets for Irish butter for Kerrygold. So that's it's quite a cool story. Um, what else is on the shelves in Spinney's? Well, the sour meat mix that we talked about earlier, together, soda bread six. We have Broderick's. Um, I don't know if you tried the peanut butter slam, but that's that's a real favourite of mine. Why would you do that um, to me? I've already told you about the, <laughs> the addiction I've got to the millionaire shortbreads. Don't you throw something else in the mix? <laughs> okay, fine. In the name of, in the name of investigative journalism... I will have a try before the next Farmer's Kitchen. Alice, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Wishing you an early St. Patrick's Day. Have a wonderful time. The menu sounds amazing. And keep us posted, won't you? Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Take care. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Delighted to be joined this afternoon by Neil Gibson. He's a category manager for Fresh Produce. And we're talking beautiful blooms. Neil, how are you? 
Good afternoon. Very well. How are you? How are you? I'm good. We need to try and concentrate on the conversation and not be caught up in terrible puns for the next few moments, okay. if that's all right with you. <laughs> you can message me privately if you want to enter. <laughs> so um, I have to say, I live really close to the Umsakim branch, the one on Amal Sheaf. And whenever I walk into that spinny centre and the flowers are just before you get to where the fresh, fresh fruit and vegetables are, they are they have been honestly blowing me away, especially the course of the last year. They just seem to be exploding. The colour, the smell, it's just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So, well, first of all, tipping my hat to you, sir, on, uh, on the amazing offering on the flower front. Thank you. Can I ask you what are some of the most popular ones? Yeah, so I would say that lilies and roses are probably our most popular. We sell various sizes and colours of both of those. Um, quite recently, the rainbow lily surprised us in how popular it was. It sold out really quickly. We've got some seasonal flowers that, uh, when in season, sell particularly well, like tulips uh, from uh, Netherlands and protea from South Africa. Protea is quite that. distinctive. You yep. see the protea? Yes. The large pink head. Some friend, um, some friend bought some for me a couple of months ago, and I immediately said to my husband, because I'm... I love peonies. That's like my kind of go-to um, if, my, if my husband's listening. And when, okay. when my friend brought these over, I was like, okay, we have a new content of my favourite flower. And they are really unusual looking. I'm trying to think how to... They're almost spiky, but they've got this beautiful kind of yielding middle, this lovely pink colour. And they lasted for ages. Absolutely ages. Um, where are they from? They're from South Africa. In fact, one of the um, South African members of the team here saw them in a, in a florist and, and tipped us off, so we, we got straight after it. So it's, a, it's, it's very much a, a South African thing, very, very popular in its home country. But as you said, it's, it's really distinctive. They're a large pink head. They last superbly well. You can get two weeks' life out of mm. them. So um, they, they're, pretty, they're pretty sturdy, which is, uh, which is great. So that's been very popular. Which is me as champion plant killer of the Jumeirah streets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for anyone who wants to have a little Google and look at them, it's spelt P-R-O-T-E-A. And the ones that you had in store were this kind of just really vibrant pink. And as you say, they lasted absolutely weeks. So great value there as well. Um, now... Neil, do you have a favourite? I, I really like uh, yellow roses and yellow tulips. Uh, I think they go really well together, so that's my, that's my favourite. Yellow roses are the symbol of friendship, by the way. I don't know, right. if, don't know if you know that, but yes. So that's a, that is a lovely one. Um, now, tell us a little bit. Lift the lid. Take us behind the scenes. So from me walking into, into the um, Sakim branch and being like, oh, I'm going to buy some hydrangeas. Oh, you know. What actually happens to, to get them in store? You do have a, a, an airtight process of transporting them, preserving them before they even arrive at a branch. Can you talk us through that process? That's right. The, the critical thing really for us is to keep them uh, cool through the supply chain. So when they're first picked, we rapidly cool them down to two degrees and we ship them uh, laid flat and they arrive at our flower unit and we keep them chilled again before we um, before we. We, we assemble them into, into the bouquets. We've got 16 florists at our flower unit in Dubai Investment Park, and they start work at 5 a.m., and they assemble the flowers into beautiful bouquets, which arrive in the store the same morning. So it's about time and temperature. It is a whole thing that we just don't appreciate. Much like many things, you know, 
life is pretty easy for you know for us. And I remember my mum talking about when they first moved to the Middle East. They lived in um, in Abu Dhabi in like the late seventies, and it's very different to me arriving in Dubai. You know, in my twenties, where I had spinnies and I had products that I recognised from home. My mum was literally there, going, "I'm not really sure what I'm buying, but I'll try and cook it for dinner." You know, we've got, we've got so many right. home comforts now, and it's very easy to take for granted just how easily available these amazing products are. As we're talking about the you know that some of the Irish offering, or just picking up a bunch of flowers that is absolutely in perfect state. Um, Speaking of imperfect state, do you have any tips for prolonging the life of flowers? Any crafty, crafty advice? Okay, I've got, I've got quite a few tips I can, I can share with you. So first of all, it's really important to put them into water as soon as you can. So that's really within the first 30 minutes of, of buying them. So really important that, throughout that time period. Um, when you trim off the, um, the stems, cut at a 45-degree angle, uh, that helps with water absorption. Um, if you don't trim the stems, you won't um, have any water absorption hardly. So that's really important to the uh, to longevity. We recommend keeping away from direct heat and light, um, and also changing the water every two days. Mm. Now, if one or two of the flowers look a bit tired, it's best to remove them as they can taint the others. Oh, really? Um, so watch out for that one. So yeah, if, if, you, if they're starting to go, just take the ones away which are looking. Uh, which are going um, quicker, and they, they, can, they can taint the other ones in the, particularly the water they contain. Um, and there's no evidence to suggest that talking to them helps, I'm afraid. Oh, so, might be uh, wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Prince Charles do it? Doesn't he talk to his tomatoes? So cutting stems, so taking, taking a little bit off the end, and as you say, at a 45 degree angle, because then you're going to increase the surface area that's actually going to be hitting the water and then, and then I guess that means they're not resting flat against the bottom of the vase what I mean I guess you could you recut them again to kind of give them a little you know another lease of life what about extra leaves is it worth pruning those as well I absolutely that's up to you really I mean if it's if it's the look some people prefer the more bushy look so uh, it's up to it's up to really it doesn't make much difference in terms of the life itself trimming the leaves but I would say if you were to trim the uh, the stem again, that would uh, that would probably help, actually. So, yeah, definitely worth a shot there. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking beautiful blooms this afternoon with Neil Gibson, the category manager of Fresh Produce at Spinneys. And um, I just have to say, what a gorgeous job that must be. <laughs> <laughs> to speak to suppliers about what's in season and what they can bring to the stores. And now the month of March and going into April is a really busy time for flower events. International Women's Day, we've of course marked, and there were flowers being given out in my local spinnies, which was lovely. UK Mother's Day, the um, Mothering Sunday is, is Sunday coming. Arabic Mother's Day, the week after. Iranian National Day. Um, how do you in store kind of adjust to these offerings and, and make sure everyone's getting what they want? So as you say, it's, it's a particularly time, busy time of year. Hot on the heels of Valentine's Day, we've got uh, we've got an incredibly busy March. So, as you mentioned, the the, the, the four key events: um, the UK Mother's Day. Um, here, the bouquets do really well. Pastel shades, lilies are really popular amongst our British customers, and tulips are also a seasonal choice. So, so they, those are the ones we would go big on for the UK Mother's Day. Um, for the Arabian Mother's Day, we find that the red and white roses do really well and also the more premium bouquets. So uh, we've got to tailor the range a little bit for each, each event. What's been quite interesting about the International Women's Day 
is historically that was more um, a big event in Central Eastern Europe. So there was um, certain flowers that, was, that, were, that were more bought by those customers like chrysanthemums. Um, but this year, actually, we, we're finding that uh, it's become much bigger for all, to, all, all countries. So we saw our sales actually up 36% this mm. Women's Day. So that was fantastic. And, and uh, it's great to see that, that event becoming bigger and bigger every year, which is really, really nice. Um, and the Iranian National Day is all about hyacinths. That's the big seller. So it's just about making sure we've got um, plenty of that variety in, in the stores. Can I ask, what is the flower of the week this week and how do you decide on what it is? Okay, we don't have a flower of the week every week. We have a flower of the week um, when we've got something which is interesting uh, to talk about. So it tends to be something which is in season. Um, so next week is Symbidium, uh, which is a type of orchard from, orchid sorry, from South Africa, uh, which, is, uh, which is really nice. It's really beautiful, that one. And we will be featuring your favourite peony at some point in the oh, future. Yeah. Um, uh, so the season for that really is, is uh, April, May from France and Italy, and would be June for um, Holland in June. But we've, we've, you've actually inspired me to try and get hold of some right now because we can, we can get hold of peony from Israel right now. So I'm going to have a look at that for you so I can, uh, so I can bring that well, to you. Well, don't tell me. Tell my husband, Neil, all right? I'll pass on the number. Exactly. Thank you so much. All right, Neil, you're a star. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. You Keep too. those gorgeous flowers coming. And thank you for all the hard work that you and the team do to actually get them here. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Wonderful to have you with us as we talk food, food and yes, more food. And who better to talk to us about creating a restaurant from scratch, uh, creating great food at home and giving us a bit of background into his life as well than Chef Russell Piazzi, our featured chef and executive chef at Sofitel Dubai, the Obelisk. He's got decades of experience, leads a team of 80 chefs and has spared some time out of what is always a busy Thursday. We know in the hospitality industry with people coming in for dinner tonight to have a chat with us on Farmer's Kitchen. Russell, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Decades of experience. Oh, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. A few years has achieved <laughs> a lot it, yeah. in just five years. <laughs> Wonderful. Exactly cool. First of all, what an exciting project to be working on. This hotel is already famed for some outstanding restaurants. Hasn't been open that long, but already the reputation is incredible. Can you give us a quick overview on some of the outlets you have under your roof? Yeah, definitely. This is an amazing project, uh, and it's great to be back. The the, the nine is our gastro pub. Um, you know, it's one of my favourites here. It's great home cooking. Chef Michael does a, does an incredible job. Real, real food philosophy here. You know, from scratch cooking and amazing fish and chips. Uh, we've got Taiko, which is our Japanese inspired but very local influence influenced by a Chef Shilo from Amsterdam. Um, Shilo and I go way back. It's a uh, it's his fault. I ended up here more than twenty years ago. So. I guess I should thank him at some point. But um, he's got a long affinity with, with Dubai, and he's always had a passion for, for Japanese food. Uh, and he's brought that to life in, with, with Taiko here, which is, which is super cool. Um, you know, there's an amazing Wagyu shawarma, which is, oh. which is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's got amazing kimchi vegetables in there and a, and a black garlic mayonnaise that, that you know, just takes that shawarma to, to uh, the next level. So it's super cool. Uh, Brezhou Balu, which is you know, wonderful from, from Danny Balu from New York, uh, very Art Deco in style. You know, beautiful French classic cooking, brasserie style. Uh, Chef Nicholas does a fantastic job there with his team. Um, and look, I've always been lucky to work with, with great pastry teams, and, and we have a great patisserie chef here, um, Chef Roman in Bijou. Um, the afternoon tea is, is something that, that is, 
is one of the specialities here in Bijou. is well worth checking out. Um, Russell, you're you killing know. me. You're killing me. I had, I, had, <laughs> I had leftover sweet and sour chicken for my lunch at my desk. And now I'm like, uh, wagyu Living the dream. Yeah, not living the dream <laughs> at all. Now, this is going to be like picking a favourite child. But if we're to head to the hotel over the weekend, is there one dish you feel like you haven't had the obelisk experience unless you have eaten what? Oh, that is difficult. That is that is the favourite child syndrome there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the weekend we've got the Saturday roast, right, and in, in in the nine. So it's you know it, it's something I know that the British expats miss quite quite a lot. And Yorkshire we've got puddings, a, an amazing, Yorkshire puddings, the ultimate Yorkshire pudding the size of your head. It's, it's sold. So that, that's the one thing I check out over the weekend. Um, but listen, you can't go wrong really in any of the venues. That you know the foods, the food's pretty good. I'm happy to say. Can you please? And I don't want to go down the kind of. Um, family tree going way back when. But tell us about your name, Russell Impiazzi. Where Where's the origin story? Oh, listen, I, I'm Essex born and bred, right? But my, my grandfather is um, was from Naples in Italy uh, and obviously came over in, 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 in the 50s and met, 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 my, met my grandmother. And, and, and there you go, the rest is history. So my, my dad is half, half Italian and obviously met my mom and and there you go. That's where it comes from. So, who was cooking growing up, and what kind of things were you eating? Was there an Italian influence? No, oh, no, definitely not. Um, my mum was was the ultimate cook's cook. You know, we, we I'm from a big family. There's five brothers and sisters. Um, so, feeding feeding five kids every day is no mm-hmm. mean feat, right? And it was always an event. Um, lots of braises, lots of stews. But we, you know, we're not talking, you know, the, the lamb legs. We're talking stuffed hearts, oxtails, liver bacon, real old school stuff that. You know, if I was to put it in front of my kids now, they'd, they'd run a mile. But, and I guess I suppose I hated it at the time. But then you look back, isn't you know, wonderful cooking. You know, it's um, you know, we, we miss those ingredients a little bit now. And, and you know, I suppose as a ten-year-old, when you get a stuffed lamb's heart for dinner, you think, what the hell is that? And now, um, and now get, you've got you've got the St John in London charging you fifty quid for it. You know? Do you know what? Shit, my mum was ahead of the curve when it came to notes without eating. That's for sure. So, so yeah. Because Henderson was like, "Hi, Miss um, Pansy, can we have a little chat?" <laughs> um, so, when did you feel like food was going to be your life? Then, I guess I guess I've been lucky. Actually, it's, it's all I've ever wanted to do. You know, the light bulb moment for me was was at my junior school, Whitebridge Juniors. And, um, you know, we made bread for the first time. I think it was about seven years old. And it just fascinated me. You had this flour, water, and this magical thing called yeast, you know, and just see it come together and the whole process. Uh, and it, it got me hooked. And, and really from that day on, I remember going home to my mum and said, Mum, listen, I want to be a chef, you know. And, and that was it. It was, it was Delia Smith every Tuesday night. And, you know, not watching Question of Sport, it was, it was watching Delia on a, on a Tuesday. So, um, you know, I've been obsessed with it ever since. So food is, food is a big part of, of everything we do in our house as well. So the kids are slowly getting the bug. Good, 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 good. Now, speaking of home, what are some of your most used ingredients or something you get a little bit twitchy if it's not in the fridge or it's not in the cupboard? Oh, butter. Uh, definitely butter and salt the two probably things that have a pretty bad rap but I'm talking real butter not this spread stuff with ingredients on it you can't pronounce a name from it right 100% pure butter that's always kind of got to be there and, and a good a good molten salt is you know both of those things make things just taste much better you know butter I, makes butter makes me happy butter is better it's funny you should say that yeah. because we talked a few weeks ago about the ingredient you couldn't live without and for me that was spinny do these um pots of uh, sea salt flakes 
and we add them to everything for texture, for flavour. And when that starts to get a bit low and I can see the bottom of the pot, I'm like, okay, quick. Yeah, I do. It's It's terrible, isn't it? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Joined now by a chef who has worked everywhere from London to the Bahamas. And yes, a real legend of the Dubai dining scene as well. It is Chef Russell Impiazzi, a featured chef. He is the exec chef at Sofitel Dubai the Obelisk, where they have got an amazing array of eateries from the Nine Gastro Pub, Taiko, which looks incredible. I mean, Wago Shwama, all over that. Uh, Bijou, Soleil Pool and Lounge, leading a team of 80 chefs. So, Russell, here is my question to you, sir. Um, desert, desert island dish. I don't want to say last last supper because that sounds it sounds a bit morbid. But if you could put together your dream menu, start a main dessert. What would it be? And it could literally be food from your childhood, a dish you had on a holiday, something you've been desperate to try but haven't had the chance. What about you? Well, look, the first thing I'm packing is is a bottle of ketchup. Yes, right? <gasps> bottle of ketchup. That, that's the first thing. That and would then be your the... luxury. Oh God, yes. How about it? Walker's Crisp as well. You know, they, they would need to be in there somewhere. Um, but look, I'm a pretty simple guy, right? I'm, I'm happy with with the ultimate chip butty, right? Good triple cooked chips, loads of butter on the bread. You know, as the hot chips hit that butter, it starts to melt. Good crusty bread, bit of ketchup on top. As the sun sets, look, I'm a happy man, right? It doesn't say much to please me. Um, yeah, a good chip butty at sunset, chip followed by a good stick. Have you got a sweet tooth? <laughs> Sticky toffee pudding all the way, oh. you know, with, with, without hesitation, right? With, with, with a cracking vanilla ice cream. There you go. There you go. Get, get a few kilos on before you lose them all on the desert island. <laughs> Brilliant work. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, in terms of gear in the kitchen, if you could only have kind of three utensils, what would they be? And what do you think all of us should perhaps have as well? Uh, listen, at home, for sure, you need a decent knife, right? So if you're going to spend any money on something, buy, buy a decent knife, Um you know, you, you, it's, it's a one-time investment of, of a couple hundred dirhams and, and look after the thing, right? Um, but look, my favorite thing in the kitchen I've got at home is, um, going back to my love of butter, is an insulated butter dish, right? Game changer. Um, never, I'll wrap even, it. never even heard of it. What, what is uh, it? What does it do? It, it basically means you don't need to put your butter in the fridge, uh, which you have soft butter all the time. Even in the dry summer, it doesn't what? melt. What is this sorcery so, and where can we get one? Now, if I remember rightly, I'm thinking Lakeland. Okay. Um, but it's this, it's this chrome thing, ugly thing, looks like a, a metal brick. But I tell you, if you uh, like a bit of soft butter in your toast in the morning, who doesn't? Insulated butter dish is, is pretty awesome. And a good nonstick pan. There you go. They're my three things. Is it really tragic? Home, I can't. <laughs> I'm going to send my li- <laughs> to Lakeland to my husband, be going, Mother's Day's coming up. I'd love exactly an insulated right. butter dish. <laughs> Art Russell, thank you so much for your time today and massive congratulations on opening the hotel, getting those concepts off and managing an incredible team. Um, really excited to come down and try it out and have a wonderful weekend. I know you'll be working because that's hospitality. So I'll let that's you get up. back yep. to the kitchen. Have a good one. Thank you, Chef. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Wonderful to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. And you may well have spotted some new brands popping up 
all over your local spinnies. Brands that are born from passion and often born right here in the UAE. They're part of the Spinneys Incubator Program and we're going to be highlighting some of them over the coming weeks on Farmer's Kitchen. Today we're shining the spotlight on Namaste. We've joined now by the founder, Laura Ige, to tell us a little bit about yogi-inspired tea very intrigued and some of her favorite flavors as well laura thank you so much for joining us how are you good good thank you thank you very much for having me on the show are you drinking a cup of tea right now (laughs) no not right now but uh, i think it's part of my daily routine yes (laughs) how many cups do you think you might have a day usually two i would say in the morning and one in the afternoon but not more than this that's very (laughs) restrained i was was expecting excessive numbers certainly double digits no 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 Um, Namaste, as I said, is available now. Can we go back a little bit? Can you tell us your background and how you got into the tea-making industry? It's so interesting. Yeah, sure. So um, actually, to be completely honest with you, I wasn't at all in the tea industry. And uh, being myself a French, it's not so much of, I would say, an industry that it's so big. We're more into coffee, uh, generally speaking. So I wasn't uh, different on that point. Uh, and I was li- like before actually working for um, a big multinational company in the, in the beauty and uh, cosmetic industry. But the whole adventure started uh, basically after several uh, trips to Sri Lanka, uh, along with my sister, who is today also my, my partner. So it's pretty much an adventure that started uh, out of, uh, I would say, pleasure and leisure. But uh, we had the opportunity to meet uh, someone there, which was, very, very passionate about tea and, and has been working in this industry for his whole life. We discover a little bit about uh, this industry and also all the, the benefits, uh, specifically on the health, that uh, we did not know about. Uh, thinking about it, coming back to Dubai and thinking that mm, actually there may be something to do about this. People are very heavy consumer of tea in, uh, in the UAE, but they don't necessarily know what they're drinking or what are the different aspects of it. So we were thinking that uh, there might be some room to, to create something a little bit different for the Middle East uh, market, basically. And that's exactly what you're doing. And as you rightly say, we've got tea from all over the world, right here in the UAE, from Turkish apple tea. We've been talking about Irish um, products this afternoon. The angle specific here is for people who perhaps might be a bit more health conscious. Can you explain a little bit about what's in the range and even some of the properties that they might have? We have noticed the more we were uh, exploring about tea that people are enjoying tea. And even uh, according to our survey, we were realizing that at least 40% of people who are drinking tea are uh, health conscious people. But they did not know necessarily the the actual benefits of each ingredient on on their body. So we thought that we will uh, actually categorize our different blends uh, by uh, highlighting the the main uh, benefits. So we have three categories in our range, one which is uh, dedicated to health in general, so that will mainly include all the green tea that have the highest antioxidant uh, content. Then we have as well a category which is more focused on relaxation and soothing the mind. So you will find tea like chamomile or earl grey uh, that people know. Um, and then after you have a third category which is very specific to, to Namaste, which are blends uh, uh, under the harmony category, which are actually having effect on the, the beauty, so on the skin aspect of uh, of a woman, for example. So this is mostly tea that are incorporating a lot of natural flowers, such as rose, uh, calendula flowers. So maybe that's the little touch that I took from my previous uh, industry. 
Uh, and basically, we try to really educate the customers about the different options and also explain to them when they are best to be drunk. So oh, you have tea that are better to be drunk at night, for example. Oh, yeah. like so what? So what would you recommend as a good time? Chamomile, obviously, the, <laughs> the tea that you... Yeah. And others are better in the morning because they have a little bit more caffeine, for example, like an English breakfast. So it's it's really about educating when and how to drink the tea. And then we have also creating a a specific blend uh, for us. And we hope to, to develop even more in the future. So what is the most popular? Well, first of all, two questions. What's your favorite? And then what's the most popular with Spinney's customers and uh, the UAE in general? So, <laughs> my favorite is uh, one called Candy Crush. It's actually uh, an afternoon tea with, uh, with uh, black tea and uh, rose petal and strawberry. So Ooh, it's, uh, it's a, more of a fruity, uh, fruity blend uh, that I found very unique. But in terms of, uh, I would say, bestseller in, uh, in Spinney specifically, uh, it remains uh, more of a classic, which is the chamomile and honey. Uh, so that is our current bestseller. But I'm, I'm not, uh, like, I'm hopeful for also Candy Crush space because I think it's more about people trying this uh, blend, which is not an usual one. So, yeah. I love the sound of that. And it must be interesting in terms of even things like time of year or, you know, we're in a pandemic now. People looking after their immune systems, having problems sleeping. There must be some interesting kind of tea trends around the world in terms of what people are, you know, gravitating towards right now. Um, Are you able to offer up some tips on how best to brew? This is a controversial one. And I know marriages that have come into dangerous waters over how to make the perfect cup of tea. But when you're talking about Namaste in particular, what's the best way to make the perfect cup? So, yeah, you're right. There's always a bit of controversy and many, many, uh, I would say, topics that are covered. So sometimes you have the discussion between loose tea or tea bags. So actually in Namaste, we have both, but I would say that in general, the quality of the tea and the, 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 I would say the content of flavor would still remain higher on a loose tea. But it is true that uh, we cannot completely eliminate the conveniency of a tea bag, which is remaining uh, the most consumed uh, format of tea today. And that's why we, we try to have really the two options. So the perfect, uh, the perfect cup is, uh, is really like to bring your water to a near boil, not fully boiled. And then basically um, brew your tea. So depending whether it's a green tea or a black tea or even an infusion to the to the according time. So basically, a black tea uh, is usually around three four minutes. Green tea a little bit less, around two three minutes, and an infusion can stay up to ten minutes. Uh, so that will actually affect the bitterness of uh, of the cup. So for for green tea, it starts to be bitter quite fast. Mm-hmm. So we usually uh, we usually recommend to have it a bit less uh, brewed. And then, yes, you can enjoy it, uh, whether in the morning or in the afternoon. That's really up to you. What about that dreaded question? And I know milk wouldn't necessarily go with many of your blends. Is it milk first and then water or is it water and then milk? So technically, milk has been apparently uh, shown as lowering the effect of the uh, health benefits of tea. So ideally, they would recommend not to have milk. However, we we also here to enjoy a lot, a good of, good cup of tea. So I would say that uh, that milk is is really up to everyone. But if we're really looking at only the health aspect. Without milk, is usually a little bit healthier. But you can also think of uh, other options like almond milk, which is highly recommended as well for health properties. So that can be an option as well. 
I wanted to ask you, Laura, a little about uh, a little bit about the Spinney's Incubator Program. How did you hear about it, and what was the process like? Actually, I heard about it on uh, radio. So you see, ah, <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was a time where we were looking at going for retail. We had more clients in the hospitality industry, but obviously with the with the pandemic, it completely shut down, and we had to really rethink of, uh, our strategy. And the best way, and at least where we saw some growth, were in the retail. And uh, the problem was obviously that everywhere you we were going, it was quite heavy for a young startup like ours. To, to be able to enter such uh, such um, I would say channels because there maybe as you know there are a couple of fees upfront fees that needs to be uh, paid so listing fees um, and and basically you you start uh, investing a lot of money without having any kind of revenue and usually uh, payment terms are also very long so you you wait uh, at least two months before getting your first uh, check. Mm-hmm. So that was very difficult for us to. So when we heard about this program, we thought like this is the the perfect program for a company like ours. So we basically went online and uh, applied, which was rather easy. Uh, at that time, we were thinking that it will be probably very difficult to be selected, but turned out to be uh, successful. So yeah, very happy. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys only on Dubai Eye one hundred three point eight. It is Farmer's Kitchen. I've been chatting to Laura Ergie, founder of Namaste. It's a range of teas that focuses on health benefits of this much-loved drink. She fell in love with tea varieties in Sri Lanka, decided to bring them here as a business. And that company is now part of Spinney's incubator program. So how does she feel now about seeing her products on the shelves of Spinney's? It's kind of weird to see your product on a, on shelves like a supermarket like Spinney's, so very known in the region. So it definitely uh, makes uh, the business, uh, like brings the business to a complete new scale. Uh, we have to think, I think, a bit more like a, an organized uh, company. And, and that's a very, very big learning curve for, mm-hmm. for us as well, because we were really a small, tiny company, which were only selling online or in few, you know, markets. So, um, so we need to completely uh, grow our organization and logistic process. But what's nice is that since it's an incubator program, they know that we are not prepared so we we have the right to make mistakes somehow, or at least we have the support of Spinis to to help us on the different area we might not know. I absolutely love your packaging. It's so beautiful. Can you t- explain a little bit around the process of designing it and why it is so meaningful for the planet as well as for you as a business? So actually, the one of the ideas of, uh, of the, the tea when we started, it was about the fact that we wanted to create something modern because we realized that tea is a very ancient beverage and uh, it's been here for many years. But the overall, I would say, image of tea was still very much linked to a certain tradition. And even in the packaging, it was kind of showing this, this traditional aspect. Though we are in a very, I would say, um, young country with a, with a lot of young people, and uh, and we thought like there is something to be done, which is probably a little bit modern, rejuvenate a little bit the the tea image uh, for the young generation. So we wanted to really create something which is colorful, joyful, and that has also a very attractive design. So this is how we started. So obviously we we worked out. Uh, the packaging with uh, my partner and, and uh, a designer friend also to come up to something that was uh, fitting our taste. The color was a very big element that we wanted to keep. And then the sustainability aspect. So that was also something that we really wanted to, to achieve. 
Um, but it's not that easy because uh, specifically in the food industry, like preserving flavors is still a very big challenge. So plastic or other kind of non-sustainable options are still the cheapest. So we really try to find options. So like at least we managed to remove all plastic, which is uh, the first big step. We recently launched our first loose packaging uh, with bamboo box. So we're trying to innovate as much as we can, uh, as well with the constraint, of course, of the lower volume than, than mm. big companies. And it is, it's, it's really stylish and obviously serves a purpose. And those bamboo tins, so to speak, are, yeah, definitely, definitely stand out on the shelf. And lastly, the, the temperature is starting to creep up. Can you give us a nice iced tea recipe for cooling us down? My mum, being Irish, claims that drinking hot tea, it cools her down. I'm sure there is science in this, but I'd much rather have something a bit more refreshing. So for iced tea, which of your blends would you recommend? Sure. So actually, your your mom is, is right, but oh. uh, I agree with you. <laughs> we do have actually uh, the range that I was telling you about, which is the um, one dedicated for the skin, which are mostly afternoon tea. They're made of uh, fruits and flowers, so they're very good to, to create a very interesting uh, iced tea recipe. So I would give actually my favorite one, which is Candy Crush. Thanks to the strawberry and flowers in it, you can do very, very nice uh, iced tea. And we have actually uh, a couple of uh, recipes on our website to be able to do that. So it's pretty easy. You can mix it very easily with uh, fresh fruits and uh, simply brew your tea. Keep it in the fridge for um, a couple of hours, usually like even 24 hours and then uh, enjoy it. We are all craving a nice, cool glass of iced tea right now. Laura from Namaste there, part of Spinney's Incubator Programme. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. What did your little one have for breakfast this morning? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Let us know. Joining us on the line to talk about brain food for children is Georgiana Vetska, child nutritionist at the Genesis Clinic. And speaking personally especially during distance learning my children were snacking constantly the routine was out of the window and we all paid the price so what can we do to be setting our kids up in the best possible way for the day ahead to help them concentrate to help them stay full and yes to stop the constant asking for all the snacks Jordana what did you have for your breakfast this morning I had porridge actually oats that I cooked this morning (laughs) Now, my kids loved porridge when they were little, and then they've gone, gone yeah. completely off it, unfortunately. I would have loved it if they'd kind of continued. But you know what? They start to assert themselves, and then you kind of don't really fancy tears before school every morning, funnily enough. So I have to confess that I didn't exactly persevere with that. And for mm. me, well, breakfast is an interesting one. Some people wake up and they're just not hungry, not interested in yeah. food, don't fancy it until lunchtime. With children, though, and school starting really quite early in Dubai compared to other parts of the world, it is absolutely essential that kids have something in their tummies um, before they get to the classroom. Can you start off a little bit by explaining the importance of a good breakfast and what components need to be in it for our children? Sure. Well, when we're looking at a breakfast, why it is essential is because we're breaking the fast, hence the name. And so what's going to be happening is we're going to be setting up how the day is going to be progressing. So we can either choose to go into it with our sugar levels going up and down throughout the day, or we can be setting them out that they're going at kind of a steady rate. So I like to term it, you're either going in a rough ocean, and that's how you're enjoying your day, or you're just floating down that lazy river, which is what we're aiming for. 
the way that we're getting to this is by having that good, healthy breakfast. And understandably, some people, some children just don't feel hungry in the mornings, but we still need to be getting them to eat something. So even if it is something really little, it's still going to be better than nothing. And what you're aiming for is you're trying to get a balance, primarily focusing on your proteins, then having some carbohydrate, and then including either some fruit or some vegetables. And you can just as an added benefit be throwing in a healthy fat. So for a child that doesn't have a big appetite in the morning, making something like an oat finger, but introducing in there, putting some nut butter, some seeds, even some nuts so that they're just having something really little, but it's got all of those parts in it. Mm -hmm. Or for a child who's got a bigger appetite, starting off with something like some scrambled eggs and some whole grain bread with some cherry tomatoes on the side, or even just a couple of strawberries or a banana, for example, that would be kind of setting them up for a good start in their day. You're making me hungry. <laughs> um, and it, it is really interesting because um, a, a teacher friend of mine has had to send home a number of notes to parents recently saying, we don't believe your child is having breakfast or they've said they're not having breakfast. And what happens is they're asking at, you know, half past nine for their snack. And then the whole day is com- is completely out of whack. What kind of impact can it have on concentration levels, let alone falling asleep in class? So it dramatically affects their concentration because what's happening is that we're also changing what nervous system the body's working in. The body's trying to kind of fuel itself and so it's searching for a way to get that fuel, which can put us more working into that stress space. And so when we're looking at how is that affecting our ability to learn, our brain moves into a reaction versus a learning stage. And so us being at school almost, we're just reacting to the things around us. We're not actually taking in that information and processing it to learn whatever it is that we're focusing on that day. I have to ask because I um, have done this before and I know parents that do it before about just running out of time in the morning and having to have something in the car on the way to on the way yeah. to school. What are some of the kind of quick grab and go things that you like? I love the idea of these of like an oat bar. Um, any others? So something like you could be making a muffin, but homemade muffins. But again, looking at how we're prepping these muffins. So making a muffin that's a vegetable base, for example. You could even be using something like a croissant. You could be doing a yogurt that is a made into a smoothie, for example. So putting some yogurt, using some fruits, using some good fats, throwing in some flax seeds, some chia seeds. These things are quite quick and easy to do. But then just popping them into a kind of an easy straw bottle that the kids can be drinking whilst on their way to school. And this is going to be giving them all of those nutrients that they need, but it's really quick and easy. And often, actually, particularly if you don't have an appetite, it's going to be something that's easier for you to be having than actually having a meal, even if it is a quick in the car type of of food. Jordana, there are an awful lot of um, supplements aimed at children on the market and I just wondered what your take on that is. It's obviously hugely popular um, and a bit of a quick fix for many parents who might be concerned about what their child is having. When are they necessary or are they really not? Generally speaking, they wouldn't be necessary at all. We're really trying to get kids to be having, or kids and adults, to be getting the nutrients that they need from food. We always get the best absorption of any of our micronutrients in any case when we are having it in food because of the interactions of our other nutrients as well. When we're looking at supplements, it is sometimes a thing that I would be suggesting to parents to use if your child has got a low appetite. We can see that sometimes it might stimulate the appetite of a child. But it's really, for me, supplementation is done on a case-by-case. And if I can see and if we've tested that a child has a 
iron deficiency, for example, or a vitamin D deficiency, then we aim specifically at targeting that nutrient. And it's not just about doing a broad base. Here we go just to kind of cover our basis because very often you're actually just wasting money and your children end up just weeing it out. (laughs) (laughs) I like a bit of no-nonsense advice. Um, We are talking (laughs) breakfast today, but I really wanted to pick your brain um, on some kind of pre-sleep snacks as well, if you don't mind, Um, Mm -hmm. because we're hearing time and time again about how important it is, especially in those younger ones who you know, are suddenly discovering that they can run around and they're burning all this energy and it can have an impact on sleep because their tummies perhaps just aren't full enough as they as they go down. What are some good things to have maybe half an hour before bedtime just to fill up a tummy and hopefully gain you a couple more hours of kip? So most of it is going to be focused on a protein or a fat. So when I'm looking at a protein, it would be something like a high full-fat Greek yogurt adding in some extra protein even by adding in a nut butter, for example. It could even be something as simple as a slice of toast with some cheese on it. Mm -hmm. You're not wanting to put too much food in, but that late night snack, so just before bedtime, is really beneficial actually for our younger children. And when we look at how frequently they should be eating, we're looking at a kind of a three-hour window between each of their meals. So for a lot of kids, they do need that before snack bedtime. Um, So it's really just making sure that it's got a fat, it's got a protein, and it's not just a fruit or a carbohydrate by itself. Because otherwise, that's really going to be sending their sugar levels high before they're actually trying to go to sleep. And so it can impact negatively then on their sleep. Oh, Jordana, thank you so, so much for that. I really appreciate it. Um, And so let me just put uh, put this to you. Tomorrow morning, let's say everyone can pop into Spinney's on the way home today and, and pick some things off the shelf. What would be your kind of dream breakfast for a child tomorrow morning at the weekend where we might have a bit more time? Tomorrow morning for on the weekend, my dream breakfast would be something like some scrambled eggs. It would be something like an omelette. Um, having some bread with that, having a piece of toast with that, but really loading up that omelette. So putting in some mushrooms, putting in some peppers, putting in some grated cheese there to really kind of entice the flavors as well so that our children actually want to be eating the food and it's not just something boring and plain and bland. Another alternative is, again, getting some eggs, but now make yourself some pancakes. And don't yes. be scared to throw in that little handful of, of um, your chocolate chips, for example. Make it fun for our kids. It's not bad for them to be having these foods every once in a while. We just don't want to make a big deal of it when we're giving it to them. That was Jordana Vensky, dietitian at Genesis Clinic, giving suggestions on what to feed our kids to boost their brain power while they're in school or distance learning. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Don't forget, you can tune in live to Farmer's Kitchen every single Thursday afternoon on Dubai Eye 103.8 between 2 and 5 p.m.